Elie Wiesel tells a true and tragic story of the hanging of a Jewish boy in a concentration camp. As the boy struggled, a man standing near asked, where is God? Where is he? And Elie Wiesel writes, I heard a voice within me answer, here is God hanging here on this gallows. This is the kind of story from which there is no easy escape. It's, uh, it's difficult, it hangs there like that boy on the gallows demanding an answer. Where is God? And it is the very same answer that this gospel we have in front of us this week demands. Uh, I wrote this sermon while sitting on a hillside looking out over a vast plain, the one we're seeing on the screens, uh, or otherwise known as the Maasai Steppe, which sits between the highest mountain in Africa and tallest freestanding mountain in the world, Mount Kilimanjaro, which you can see there in the background. That's on the one side. If we were able to turn to the right, uh, there in my field of vision on the other side is the fourth tallest mountain in Africa, Mount Meru. Uh, if you were able to zoom in on this picture, zoom way in, you would be able to spot Maasai boys leading flocks of sheep or goats or cows as they graze across this vast area. There's a gentle sound on the breeze all the time out there of little lambs bleeding and of the bells that hang around the animal's neck gently ringing in the distance. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We know that John the Baptist is famous for storming into uh, not one but two of the four Sundays of Advent leading up to Christmas, but we sometimes forget that he reappears here and has something to offer in this season of Epiphany. Epiphany, as you know, means disclosure or, or revelation. And right here at the start of the fourth gospel, the author wants us to know something about Jesus that is easy to miss. And that's the way it often is in John's gospel. Jesus is a bit mysterious and elusive, hard to understand, hard to pin down. Even his own cousin, John, had trouble figuring him out. I myself did not know him, John the Baptist said. And we say, didn't, didn't know he was Mary and Joseph's son? Didn't know that he came from Nazareth? No, John knew all this stuff, of course. John knew that Jesus was a big deal that he was not worthy to untie his sandals and all that. But John didn't seem to realize what Jesus was all about, what Jesus meant to his people, to the whole world. Until this day, Jesus comes passing by, just walked right by John as if he were on his way somewhere important, had something else on his mind. Jesus just walks by where John happens to be holding forth 
And just as Jesus is walking by, something seems to click for John. Uh, who knows why? Maybe it was just the look on Jesus' face as he passed. Maybe it was the, the kind of purpose evident in his walk. Your guess is as good as mine. But something made John say, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have no idea why he said it. We do have a pretty good idea that it meant something big. In the passage that follows this, John is, Jesus is passing by yet again. While John is standing next to two of his own disciples. And John says, look, here is the Lamb of God. He says it again. He tells his own disciples to go ahead and start following Jesus. It, it's as if John is emptying himself. And, and continuing to point to Jesus. And it's a good clue that we are dealing with, that, that this happens twice in succession. It's a good clue that we're dealing with something that John, the author of the gospel, as much as John, the, the cousin of Jesus, wants us to know. It is why John's gospel centers around the festival of the Passover, the great Jewish feast of salvation. Because John wants us to know that Jesus chooses to be the Passover lamb for us. Shepherds watch their flocks by night, but one lamb will go his own way. The blood of Christ shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. This is one who by dying for us sets us free, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this imagery, frankly, can be a bit difficult for us. The idea that God requires the ritual slaughter of anyone or anything in order to forgive our sins is one that is offensive to most thinking people today. It's well outside of our cultural norms think such things. God is not some great executionist in the sky who demands that some innocent person die for someone else's sin. In her book, Suffering, theologian Dorothy Sowell reminded us that within Jewish thinking there has always been the concept of God's Shekinah. Shekinah refers to the indwelling presence of God in the world. She wrote, God does not forsake the suffering of the world. Indeed, in need of redemption after the fall, God's glory itself descends into the world, enters into it, into exile, dwells in it, dwells with the troubled, the suffering creatures in the midst of their uncleanness, desiring to redeem them. In his emptied, abased form, God shares the suffering of his people in exile, in prison, in martyrdom. God is not outside or above what is going on. God is right there, hanging on the gallows with that young boy, out on the Maasai step with the children tending the flocks, with you, even now, 
showing up in your everyday life. Elie Wiesel saw that every single one of those six million who were put to death was a beloved child of God, a daughter, a son. God was there, hanging on the gallows. God is not far off in heaven. This is our good news for this day. She holds the young girl who was sexually abused and lives for years in the silence of denial. God suffers with those devastated by war in Ukraine and so many other places in the world. God is with those fleeing their homes in search of refuge and safety. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By the winter of 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his organization were embarking on one of their boldest projects. We know it as the Poor People's Campaign. One of the Poor People's Campaign fundamental principles states that we believe that people should not live or die from poverty in the richest nation ever to exist. Blaming the poor and claiming that the United States does not have an abundance of resources to overcome poverty are false narratives used to perpetuate economic exploitation, exclusion, and deep inequality. St. Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians that Holy Communion, which we prepare to share together here in a moment, is directly connected to our care for our neighbor in need. We should cast off the chains of guilt, unworthiness, and despair, which so often cloud the joyous feast of Holy Communion and begin dining with the Lord who delights to sit next to sinners. On the other hand, as we approach the open table, our concern should be that our needy, helpless, marginalized brothers and sisters are provided for and honored as the greatest among us. This sharing of bread and the cup is not merely a privatized getting right with Jesus or cleaning up your act, but it is a communal invitation to live with radical love in a world that needs it. Uh, fun to think about where Pastor Natalia may currently be. I didn't look at her uh, itinerary, but she could be in Old City Jerusalem or in Bethlehem or in Jericho or maybe on the banks of the Jordan. But uh, uh, it's a blessing that uh, this, this altar table that we uh, gathered around this morning extends uh, out to where uh, she currently is and uh, out across uh, Africa and all over the world. Um, she's in Galilee. Nick is waving me down telling me she's in Galilee. How about that? So uh, imagine uh, right there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee uh, with uh, some other pastors and leaders. So we pray for her 
uh, safe travels and a reminder that we will convene our budget meeting at 11 a.m. So you've got some time to grab some coffee and mill about. There's copies of the budget back there for the members who want to take a look at that. And I'm around if you have any questions. I see uh, uh, Paul's here as well. So uh, our business administrator, if you have prior to the meeting want to ask some questions, you're welcome to do that. But uh, for now, we go with this good news that God is not far off. Uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world has fed and forgiven us and now sends us out. So we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.